0: Hey, You're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Today, I want to talk about one of the most um, important subjects, really, that we could ever come across. It's, it's about being being fathered, but then as fathers to, to father our children, yes, but also the next generation. Um, I, I, I want to, I want you to hear the message with so many different um, angles, perspectives, no matter where you've come from, and if you say, Leo, I've never really had a good dad, or I never had a dad, or I grew up without a father, this message is still going to help you. And if you think, well, I don't understand the father's love, reality is no one in this room has had a perfect dad, no matter how good your dad was, no matter how good you are as a dad. No matter how good I try to be as a dad, I'm not a perfect dad. I know my shortcomings. And as a father, most fathers, if you know yourself, you know where, you're, where you fail, you know your insecurities, you know where you, you fall short. I'm very aware of that. And so I, my prayer is, God, despite of my weaknesses, despite of my insecurities, please um, raise them up amazing anyway. Raise up the children, despite of my fathering. Raise God can do that when you pray that. When, you, when, you, when God's involved in your family, God can do that. Um, my, my heart also is if you never raised up with a, a father, or maybe you never had a father at home, or if you had a father at home that was very abusive, or rejected you, neglected you, or hurt you emotionally, maybe with words and, and so on, and didn't know how to love you. Um, I really believe this with all my heart, that God places you in a community... To experience what it is to be in family. So if I never, I mean, if I didn't have a father at all, um, I know that God would place me in community yeah. to experience what it is to be fathered. Awesome. Does that make sense? So please hear my heart. Um, my uh, my dad came from. Uh, he was born in the 40s, 1940s. So therefore, he was eight years old when World War II broke out. I've heard stories of when my dad had to work in the fields and in the farms at the age of eight, nine, and ten, working and leaving school early because their family was so poor they had to work. And so, in other words, he didn't have much of a childhood, and, and by understanding a little bit about my dad, he didn't have to love any more than he did love. So I didn't grow up with a perfect dad. My brother, and myself, or my sister, we didn't grow up with a perfect dad. And I've said this before, and my dad is in heaven now, I believe, and my mum uh, watching down from heaven. But um, I, I, like, my childhood, some of my childhood memories had some beautiful, tender moments, but also some of it was when dad left the home, I was happy. Yeah. But when dad came home, I dreaded it. It's not a nice feeling when you're a little kid to, to think, oh, oh, you know, dad's home, oh no. You know, there's going to be tension and there's going to be fights and there could be, you know, all sorts of things that happen. So I want you to know I'm not speaking out of uh, you grew up with a good dad and therefore a perfect dad or therefore you're you're okay. No, I really want you to know that my uh, understanding of the Father and understanding of being a Father has come out of my relationship with God the Father. And so no matter what your background, no matter what degree of fathering you had or didn't have, you can have a deeper revelation of God the Father, and your fathering can change. You can father your children and the next generation so well. You know the devil hates family. He's at war with family because he knows family is the fabric of our society. He knows it's the foundation of our society. So he wants to, he wants to destroy family. That's all he's after. He, he wants to tear it up and he wants to destroy it. One in every three marriages end in divorce. This is about 1917 statistics. And about um, the length of marriages uh, in the last well, 10 years ago was about uh, 10 years. And in 1917, it's about 12 years. So we've gotten better. But still 10 or 12 years is a short period of time. It's right in the tender moment when you've got children. And so uh, there, there's um, statistics say that there's 49,000 divorces that were granted in 2017 alone. 80,000 abortions per year or in 2017. The enemy just is on a rampage. He doesn't care about who he hurts, who he destroys. If little hearts of children are broken and t- torn apart, he just wants to destroy. But we can make a difference. We can change you think, oh, but how do, we, how do we change the city? How do we change the society? How do we change the community? By us, one by one. Change yourself for your own relationship with God. I want to encourage you, you can make a difference. In the Bible, Abraham, who was called the father of the faith. We can go back thousands and thousands of years and God chose Abraham. And it's found in Genesis 18 verse 19. It actually says this. God says, I'm choosing you because I know you will teach your children. Imagine that as a... Attribute why God chose Abraham. I'm choosing you because teaching your next, your, the next generation and teaching the children and, and let it be ongoing is so vital, that's why I'm choosing you. Isn't that amazing? In Psalms 78, I haven't got time to go through all the scriptures. If you want to write it down, have a look for yourself and see what I'm saying is true. Psalm 78, verse 1 to 8, basically is telling the fathers and the, the parents to teach the next generation. That if we teach the generation, then they won't be rebellious. But if they teach them the ways of God, teach them about the miracles, teach them about the power, teach them about how real God is. And that, the only way you can do that is if you're demonstrating that. If you're connected to God and you're seeing those results and fruits, teach the next generation so that they won't be rebellious. And so that they teach their children. That's what Psalms 78 says. Exodus 34, verse 7. This is heavy. This one here, this for me, I think, wow, look at it. Got to look at it. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and the fourth generation. God is saying, I will visit the sins or the disobedience of the fathers upon their children upon their children's children, even the fourth generation. Great, 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 is that right? Grandchildren. In other words, God is saying the influence that a father has is it will affect not just my children, but their children. Not just their children, but their children. And not just their children, even their children. Just think about that for a sec. That's quite heavy. You have a lot of influence for positive or for negative, for God or for the enemy. You influence how you... If I do my my responsibilities and my love well, if I, if I put on love and I do it well, I'm not going to influence just my children. I've got five children, for those that don't know, and on Facebook, four four, four boys and a girl. And uh, if I influence them well through being a father, and I'm speaking as a father because I want to encourage the fathers, you, you, you can be the spiritual leadership of your home. I believe you should be. I say it that way because sometimes... If the man isn't, then the, the, the woman sort of does that responsibility. Especially if the, if the man doesn't know Christ, then it's automatically the woman will lead the spiritual climate and she becomes the spiritual leader, leadership of that home. But men, I'm asking you, take on those spiritual reins out of love, out of example, out of humility, out of grace, out of knowing God yourself, and you create a covering over them. That will affect four generations. That, to me, moves my heart to the core, to think I've got so much influence, to influence not just my children, but if I love them well, they're going to influence their children. And that's the beauty about being grandparents. I'm not a grandparent, but my brother's about to be one. And uh, he's going to be able to see the fruit of what he invested in his children. He's an amazing father. And how he's raised his his four children and now they're married and now they're about to have a a child and now he's going to see the fruit of investing all that love into them. You know, Luke chapter 1 verse 17 says this, talks about Elijah. And he shall go before him in the spirit and in the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just But I just want to emphasize that the anointing, this is referring to John the baptizer, because he was coming in the spirit and the power of Elijah, and he turned the hearts of the people back to God so that the Messiah could come. And it says in the last days that the same move of God will happen. I believe the prophetic picture is, yes, the first coming of the Lord was a preparation that the father's hearts would turn to the children. Fathers, don't wait for your children to turn to you. Fathers need to be turning to the children. So even if you had a fallout, you don't go, wait, I'll I'll let them come up to me. I'll let them uh, speak to me. Even if they were in the wrong, man, like our Father's hearts. I think this happens automatically when your, um, your relationship with the Father God is in place. So if you're close to the Father God, the Father heart of God, and he fills you with love, we're serving a God who is a Father, and he's a perfect Father. Absolutely perfect. Jesus brought the revelation of God being Father. And he referred to God as Father, and he actually they wanted to kill him for it. The religious leaders couldn't handle the fact that Jesus is referring to God as his Father. Who does he think he is? The Son of God? Yes. But they, they, you know, they were angry at him. They wanted to stone him for that. But he revealed God as Daddy, Father. Not just a Daddy Father, but a good Dad. A good Father. I'm talking about a perfect Father. So my understanding of fathering has come from God. I've been blessed by my dad. I learned a lot of things from my dad. But there's a lot of things I had to unlearn. Do you understand? I really want, to, I want, a, I want a severing to take place this morning. Because all of us have some wrong images that we, we've taken on from a, a dad who maybe didn't know Christ. Maybe didn't know the love of the Father. So maybe they were a bit harsh or, or didn't understand how to be intimately Pouring love into their children. When I say intimate, I mean um, pouring love. Didn't know how to have a heart-to-heart conversation. Didn't know how to show affection. When we became Christian, I became a Christian at the age of 19. And I don't remember my dad saying, I love you. I don't remember my dad hugging me and saying, I love you. I'm proud of you. You're so amazing. You're so special. Never. I don't remember that at all. But when we became Christians, God touched our hearts. We would hug our dad, me, my brother, and our sister. And we'd say, Dad, we love you, Dad. And he... <coughs> He it, it, it didn't even know how to give it back. He'd get touched deeply. So we love you, Dad. Look into his eyes. Say, we love you, Dad. And you'd and just be almost broken because you didn't know how to love. And the only way I think we can move on is if you can sincerely and honestly, totally forgive. I have no grudges. I have no hurt. I don't, I don't blame Dad. I don't think, God, why, Dad, didn't you love me better? See, that, that would come out of hurt. But I fully understand he couldn't love me any better than he he did. Actually, in his way, he sacrificed his life to work three jobs at some times. Three, four jobs, two jobs, long hours, two, three hours of sleep. Why? To give us what he didn't have. That was his way of understanding of how he can love us because he loved us through the language of provide. But who knows? You can provide absolutely everything physically, financially. This is a mistake we can make as dads. You can be the best provider physically and give your children everything you want. We can say, well, that's how I love you. But you know what? Your daughter needs you. Yeah. Your son needs you. Yeah. So don't just see. oh, I'll only uh, love them by physical provision. I was reading uh, on, online and I was just trying to research some of these things. And so many daughters, they, they asked 1,400 or 1,500 daughters and said, "Do you, how much time do you spend with your father? And, and in this day and age, they're saying, uh, oh, Never. I don't know, last time I was alone with my dad. Or the only time they would say is in the car. How I'm just being honest. Please hear my heart. How are we supposed to influence the next generation and our children if we get so busy? And we're living in a busy city. I know that. When we get so busy, we're not pouring time into them. You've got to pour your values. That's what, Watching those photos of those father and children time, it touches my heart deeply because I see it. Look at the beautiful examples of dads that spending time with their kids, playing with their kids. We should be playing, having fun with our kids. Fun and joy should be a big element of fatherhood. Big, big element. We should have a lot of fun with them. They should remember, like, man, dad was full of joy. And there's a whole balance of, uh, yes, we bring discipline, but also full of joy. We, we bring love, we also bring purpose and direction. We, as fathers, actually are the ones that I believe that give our children identity. But if you didn't have a dad, God the Father can give you identity. I didn't, have, I didn't find my identity from my physical father. I found it from my father in heaven. So as fathers, though, when you know where you're going, when you know the purpose of God and you know the will of God, you create a covering where unconsciously, in part, they find their destiny. They find their purpose. They find their security. So, so my number one point was being loved Unconditionally, And yes, as fathers, we should love our children unconditionally. And everything we do should be a response of our love for them. Even when you discipline them, because the world has lost the art of discipline. Discipline is a consequence of your disobedience. You disobey, therefore you've lost this privilege. Or you disobey, therefore this is the, the consequence, this is the punishment. You disobey, I do believe in the rod. You smack them on their bottom and you never do it out of anger. It's in the Bible. But you've got to do it, in love you've got to do it in humility you've got to do it where they understand what you're doing but when you take away discipline from a child and, oh, but I just want to love them I just want to love them I just want to love them you're instilling the wrong impartation you'll in, impart rebellious attitude because they don't know the boundaries you can do it in love you can do it right we've always disciplined our children all the days of their life and none of them are walking around going what's wrong with you I was disciplined no one's got. They don't have any cups. They don't have his shoes. They're actually amazing adults, and they're amazing. They're imparting to the next generation. Fruit. The the, the proof is in the fruit. So loving them unconditionally is vital, and I, I really believe. Again, I've, I know I'm gonna I'm gonna drive this home all the time, but it comes out of your love relationship with God. I can't tell you how many times, and I'll say I've been walking with the Lord for 32 years. I can't tell you how many times I've gone before the Father and just wept and allowed Him to love on me. What's He doing? He's going deep into my heart and He's healing me of stuff. He's showing me how valuable I am, how special I am, how much I love you. And in His presence, I just, Lord, speak to me. And He reminds me of stuff sometimes and He just touches me deep in that area and I weep and cry and I love it. It's not self-pity ever. It's not a self-pity cry. It's an overwhelmed love cry. God, you love me so much. I love you. It's that. I feel His love. I experience His love. I can encounter His love. You can too. But sometimes we've got all these barriers and all these hurts and all these walls that we've created that we don't know how to experience His love. We need to make sure those barriers come down. God is so in love with you. So passionately in love with you. You know... I think it was Ezekiel that saw the Lord on a throne, and even Daniel said this too. Daniel saw the Lord on his throne, and he said, The Lord was like a fire from his loins, it means his belt up, and from his loins down. He was on fire. Can you imagine God on fire? The fact that we have fire is because it's in the heart of God. God is on fire with passion with you, in love with you talks in the in, in Song of Solomon that his love is ablaze with eternal love, ablaze. And I thought about, I thought about the sun. God spoke the sun into existence and it's on fire. It's a, it's a planet, a gas ball on fire. It shows his faithfulness. Scriptures talk about the sun rising. It's his faithfulness. If the sun just blew up, we know what happened to us. You know that, eh? We're just all gone. That's a reflection of who God is. A reflection of the heart of God. Burning, love, faithfulness on fire for you. Because we we take for granted everything God's created. Yet the Bible says the glory of the Lord has filled the earth. So God's glory is in all His creation. Why did He make beautiful flowers? Why do you have to put scent on them? And, And we're looking at a fallen earth. If you didn't see a fallen earth... The scent would be magnificent. And he only did it because he loves you. He wants you to go, he wants you to look at the flower; it's beautiful, the colors. I mean, all the flowers, all the trees, all the birds and all the animals he's created. And all creation was to show you he loves you. To give you a home. All of creation is a home. He crowned mankind, man and woman, crowned them and says, Okay, now i put you in this magnificent creation I gave you. We forget what we, what we were placed into. He gave it all to mankind. It's understanding who we are, knowing that we're loved, knowing your identity. I really believe identity comes from the Father, yes, but it also comes in community. Now, that's, when I say community, let's say the word family. Not just your family, the family. So, yes, your immediate family, that's the cluster that comes together in this family. So, your identity is worked out in this whole family too. In other words... If you want to know your identity in Christ, you want to know as a son and as a daughter, and I want to grow in my identity as who I really am, and who am I, why am I here, and all that, it is outworked in the context of the whole family. Because you can't find that if you try to be a hermit. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can't find that if I'm, I'm going to just be by myself. I'm going to find my destiny. I'm going to get on fire with God. And I'm going to live up on a mountain. Well, you're just you're flowing the wrong way. God, God placed us here to love one another. And we're going to have to love Sister Sandpaper. And we have to also love Brother Bulldozer. And sometimes we rub each other up the wrong way and we get upset and offended. That is the test of love. That's it, right there. Someone didn't say hello to you. Someone said something and it was insensitive. Now it's a test that I'm going to show them unconditional love because I know my identity. I know my security is in God's love. I'm not looking love from you. I got it from the Father. I'm not a sponge looking at everyone's love. I'm going to give you love. I'm a river. Yep. That happens out of relationship with God. I was joking with someone today because they said, oh, I haven't seen you for a few weeks. And um, yeah, I am you too. I haven't seen you for a while. And we're just joking about, yeah, I'm, I'm not coming back to this church because you didn't say hello to me. I'm the pastor, remember? I was just joking to him. But anyway, it's not, no, one, no one's laughing. <laughs> it's a dad joke (laughs) to know your identity has to be outworked in family so the problem is when you do get hurt or misunderstood or someone said some harsh words to you and you just, that's it, I'm out of here I'm getting up, I'm going to go find another what they're saying is, I'm going to find another family my children have never been tempted no matter how much we might have done some mistakes have never been tempted to get up. I'm going to find another family down the road. See you later, dad. They never were tempted to do that. If we understood family, we wouldn't be that tempted. We would leave when God lead, leads us on to leave. For his purpose and for his kingdom. You find your identity in Christ. Your purpose, oh, it's also found in God the Father. Your purpose in life. Everything created has a purpose. Could you imagine God's wisdom? Imagine God making everything. Everything you make, the trees have got a purpose—not just produce fruit, but also takes the carbon dioxide and makes oxygen. I mean, God's just so smart like that. I'm going to put purpose in everything I make and everything I do. The sun, where it has to be placed—I mean, the moon's got a purpose—not just there for pretty looks. It's got a purpose to create stuff on the earth, for the moods and the swings and the seas and the and the tides and all these things. So God thinks of everything. Even our body, every part has a purpose. Every single part. I remember growing up in the 70s, people said to me, and people believed, that the appendix didn't have a purpose. I mean, you think about that. Think that's logic. God, in His wisdom, is going to put a body part in there for no reason. That knowledge or that logic comes out of not believing that there's a God. Uh, Now, evolving, we evolved, and somehow there's a body part that's not functional. It doesn't have a reason. It doesn't have a purpose. That just doesn't make sense when God's a designer. Imagine making a watch... And you put a part in there for no reason. I don't know why. Just put it in there. Now we might do it for aesthetics, but that's still a reason. It's aesthetics on the outside, but inside you never put something that's not got a, a purpose. You have a, a unique purpose. You need to find what is my unique purpose. Why am I here? Comes from God, relationship with God the Father. You know why I'm here. Why I exist. So vital. And please hear my heart in, in, in everything you interpret. Please interpret it. Through, okay, I don't have a family. I'm a single person. And, I, and I've sort of estranged with my physical family. Well, then read it through the context of this family. Because don't you want to break that curse of that four generation? Because whatever your father didn't know in Christ, and if he imparted that to you, don't you want to break it so that when you get married and you have a family, you know how to create a family Legacy. What do you want them to say over your tomb? Now, really. What would you like them to say? He provided. He was a good worker. He was a hard worker. I don't know. Like, What do you want them to say about you? Because everybody is created to make a difference and to have a purpose. And fathers, we've, got, we've been given so much responsibility. And there's some amazing examples in this room. So much amazing, loving fathers that have, already releasing legacy. And so, yes, identity, your unconditional love comes from Father. Your purpose comes from God the Father and and your Father, physical Father. Your security also comes from family. And again, not just physical Father, but also family. Like if if I had, um, if you didn't have a physical father at all, never ever knew your dad, you need to see it modeled. That's what I'm talking about in a community, in a church family. So you can see it at least modeled. And you can be fathered. You can be mentored. You can be discipled. You just got to allow yourself to be teachable. If you're, if you're teachable and you stay humble, say, then God will bring the right people around you to mentor you, to love you, and to raise you. Just don't read everything for your insecure eyes. But allow... allow I used to use the word, be sonnable. I know that's not a word, but I want to, I want to, I want to coin that. Some, some English, put that in your book, Nathan. Nathan's writing a secret book of all the words that I've created over the years. But. Sometimes we don't have the English vocabulary to explain something that God's doing. We need to be sonnable and daughterable. <laughs> right, don't feel left out, daughters. Be teachable. Teachable is so important. <laughs> Honesty. Transparency. Vulnerability is found in family. In Ephesians 4.25, Wherefore put away lying, speak in every man or woman truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. In other words, why would you lie to someone that's your member? It's a part of your body. It's a part of your family. Why would you lie to them? Think about lying. Lying is um, saying something. That you don't mean. We've got to learn to speak what we mean and learn to mean what we say. And we also got to learn to speak when we, we, it's, it's truth. You're trying to learn to speak truth so that what I say to you, I don't walk away and then I change it and it's a different thing to somebody else. In other words, we try to impress people. We're not, you know what I'm saying? You've got to do it in love, but we've got to learn to speak what we say, speak what we mean, and mean what we say because it's being honest, being transparent in family. When you go home, you know, if, if, you, if you're in the rat race, we shouldn't be like this, but man, when you come home, you should, it's a place where you can be yourself, isn't it? It's a place where you can ah relax, it's home. Ah, you put the BJs on, put your shorts on, and you can relax at home because you're just yourself. It's the place where it's safe to be yourself. So that's how family should be. There's many other things. Provision comes from the Father, our Father God in heaven, our physical Father. Yes, we we are responsible to provide. And um, training, instruction, learning, which speaks of the discipline part. Let's get this right. We are going to do a parenting course about discipline. We need to, I believe parents need to know how to bring the correct loving discipline. Kids should interpret your discipline with love. Now, when they're young, they're not going to understand it. When they grow up, they're going to understand it. There's other other points, but fellowship is one that I want to touch on for a moment. That God has placed us together. The Bible says, do not neglect to do good and to share. It means to fellowship, the kononia word, what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. And fellowship is the best definition of fellowship is the exchange of life. I exchange with you, you exchange with me. So it's not just one way, but we exchange revelation, we exchange truth, we exchange heartfelt things to one another. When I think what God wants to do this morning, I believe that He wants to break off the wrong image of what a father is by obviously, somehow, obviously, you've got, to, you've got to exercise forgiveness. Make sure you have clear a forgiveness towards your parents, if there's any neglect, if there was any things they let you down in, that you release forgiveness. There's not a blame. There's no blame in your heart, and then you say, "God, let me see Your love towards me." So, ongoingly, we are transformed into the same image that we behold when we look into the face. We look into the face of Jesus. The Bible says this is in Second Corinthians the veil has been torn away because in the Lord the veil has gone that thing that was in the way we couldn't see the Lord now that's gone now we see the Lord face to face and we're transformed into the very image that we see the very image that you behold that's why it's important what you're beholding when you behold the Lord you change to become like Him so we need to behold the Father so that our fathering comes from Him our attributes our heart the way we love if we make a mistake if we mess up which I did this morning, I said to my daughter, please forgive me for what I just, I said something. I said, forgive me, because I didn't mean it that way. And so sometimes you misunderstood. We, We say something that's not right. We, as fathers, can be humble and say, forgive me, what I did was wrong. Because we're trying to respect and reflect God the Father's image.